Amen. Everyone ready for the word? Excellent. Great stuff. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for ministering to us this morning, Lord, and I believe there's still stuff that you want to do and speak into our hearts. Lord, I pray every, every heart here, Lord, will be fertile soil this morning. Lord, as the word of God is sown, Lord, it will produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 times, Lord, what was sown. Lord, the word of God, Lord, will, have, will, have, will be effectual, Lord, in, in our lives, Lord God. And I pray that, Lord, we'll be, Lord, not just hearers of the word, but, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So today we're coming to the final part of our Run Your Best Lap Yet series. Um, so it's part 12. So it's been going on for a while, this series. Um, and there have been other, like Dan spoke on this as well last week. So there have been other, it's just my part 12. And there have been other parts as well. Pastor Stu was here, of course, as well. Um, at the beginning of May, I was, was talking about it as well. So it's been about 14 or 15 parts in total. But it's been a great series. And man, it's amazing what you can get out of just one scripture. Script. That's what's so amazing about the Word of God, isn't it? It's, it's what you can get out of just that one scripture. You think how many scriptures there are. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many verses there are in the Bible. But what you can just get out of one. Does anyone know? <laughs> someone could Google it. Look it up. It's, it's a lot, isn't it? Thousands. 30,000. Okay. You know, what you can just get out of one, one scripture or just a couple, of, a couple of verses is amazing, isn't it? You just kind of exhaust the Word of God. It's incredible. Praise God. So it's the last part of the series there about running your best laps. Remember, that's our, our, been our vision for the, for the year. Now we are almost halfway through the year. It's crazy, isn't it? It's gone so, gone so quick this, this year, isn't it? So Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. This, is, this has been our key scripture. This is from the amplified, amplified version. This is, so therefore, since... It should be on screen. There it is. That's on IV, but the amplified is just it's slightly different. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off our every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, we talked about this a few weeks ago, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of God, the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority and the completion of his work. Amen. What a, what a, what a great passage that is. Amen. So we've been talking a lot about just kind of like getting running again, taking off our kind of uh, our lockdown slippers, that kind of strange period that we had um, across, across the world um, for a period of time when we weren't meeting physically in, in person for, well, 18, for us as a church, it was 18, 18 months. We didn't, certainly on Sunday mornings, anyway, we didn't meet for 18 months. Um, strange, it was unusual time, wasn't it? We're looking back at it now, I just kind of think, oh, man, that was crazy. But we've been just really encouraging us, us all just to, just to run our best lap yet this, this year. Yeah, we had a kind of a, not, not a break, because obviously we, we were still Christians during that time. We still had an online service, and we still did other things and connect groups and stuff. Obviously, stuff is still happening, okay? But, but to really focus on this year, running our best race, our best lap yet for God. And, and the writer of Hebrews, he really encouraged us to, just, to, 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 just to throw away everything that hinders, to throw off everything that hand, hinders every, every burden, everything that will hold us back. And so that we can run that race well, so we're not feeling, we're not feeling burdened. Remember right back at the beginning when I beginning of the series when I had Jack up here and with a backpack on a rucksack and just kept filling it with more and more weights and nearly broke the rucksack and he was kind of like just just to illustrate the fact that it's you know, it was much much harder to run when you got it when you got a backpack on it's like you know what they do in like the army training isn't it and especially like the Royal Marine Commandos like kind of our elite our elite force um 
and then they have to run with like, I don't know, it's like 40, 50 kilos on their back and they have to run like, I don't know, 50 miles or something across the Brecon Beacons is, is crazy. Sometimes people die. That's how, that's how extreme it, the training is. And I think only about 20, 20 30% even, even pass it. <laughs> you came through it, did you? <laughs> well done, well done, Graham. <laughs> did it last week, did it last week. Well done. Awesome. Well, you're from Yorkshire, hard as nails. <laughs> what can I say? But, and obviously that's for them to test their, test their fitness and stuff and to carry, be carrying all their stuff. But obviously they can't run as fast as they would if they weren't carrying that, that weight. And that's, that's, that's my illustration. That's the point of saying that. And, but then it also talks about um, stripping off unnecessary weight. And then we did this illustration with Jack as well about the sin that's so easy entangled. And I tied him up with some, tied his legs together with some scarves, um, if you remember. And it's just showing how hard it is to run. You had to kind of, kind of hop or um, hop along. And, and this is kind of the picture here that the writer of Hebrews has is about, and that's what I want to focus on today for our last part of this part of this series, is about, because we haven't really talked about this so much, about the sin that so easily and cleverly entangles. That's what the Amplified Bible says. You know, and it's, it's been great what God's spoke, spoken this morning because he's already very much laid the ground for this. You know, God wants us to be victorious over sin. I mean, he's glad about that. God wants us to be, be victorious over sin. Sometimes when, we, when, when preachers talk about sin, then so often in the, in the, in the crowd, you go, like, oh, no. <laughs> you know what no, let's, let's be real. You can think, oh, no, it's another preach about sin. I'm going to go home feeling terrible about myself. So <laughs> yeah, this, that's the complete opposite of what, what happened this morning. Okay? No, Roman, you know, Romans, I love Romans 8. You know, Romans 8 makes it so clear there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you go away condemned this morning... You've missed the whole essence of the message, okay? So that's, I suppose that's all I can say on that. God does not want us to be condemned, but he does want us to be victorious over sin. So we need to just be real about this and, and, and deal with it because God wants us to be victorious. And we can't do that in our own strength. Should we do it in our own strength? Absolutely not, no. But we can do it in the strength that, the strength that God gives us. And obviously Jesus was the perfect example of that. Uh, makes it very clear um, that Jesus was, I think it's in Hebrews, that Jesus was tempted in every single way is what it says. Well, I just take that as read as Jesus was tempted. He was tempted by women. He was tempted by power. He was tempted by, by money. He was tempted by fame. You know, it says he was tempted in every single way. But Jesus was victorious in, 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 in every way. Amen? He lived in complete victory, complete submission to his Father in, in total victory and, and lived a perfect life and had to live a perfect life, of course, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about running with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfect of our faith, and about the importance of not getting distracted in this world that's full of distractions, about not getting distracted. So let's not get distracted. Let's get back on course. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I encourage you to listen to that and, and Dan's as well last, last week, which is great. So one of the focus, particularly on verse 2, so as it says in the Amplified, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. I like the way that the, the Amplified has worded it here. The Amplified just kind of brings the, you know, the original Greek, Greek writings to, to life in English. It's, so easily, it's not just so easily entangles, it cleverly entangles, entangles us. And this is why we just have to be so, just, just so aware, just, just aware of sin. And aware of, of the devil's the devil's traps, and uh, the, the devil will try and trap us over and over again. We'll try and try and trip us up. This is kind of the uh, the the analogy here, isn't it? It's, it's things that it's things that trip us up. It's going to stop us running our best race because we, we 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 get tripped up, or or if you think like a like a hurdle like a hurdles race, or, you know, fall over the hurdles. Um, you know, that's kind of that analogy that's been that's been used to. So sin is so easily and cleverly entangles us. But remember, God wants us to be victorious over it. Amen. We don't need to fall into the trap of it easily and cleverly entangling us. But what we can talk about this morning is how do we do that? Amen. 
Praise God. So the Greek word there that's used for sin in this, in this verse, the, the original Greek word is hamartia. There you go. Hamartia. And what it means, what it literally means, it means to be mistaken. It can mean to miss the mark or it can mean to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor to do or go wrong or to wander from the law of God. So there's kind of like a whole meaning behind it of kind of, and it fits with this whole analogy, doesn't it, of running a race, just like kind of wandering off. You know, Jesus, Jesus talks to him about, didn't he, about the narrow road that leads to life and there's a wide road that leads, leads, leads to destruction. And, you know, we have to be so careful. I'm not talking about losing your salvation here, but we have to be very careful that we, we stay on the right path, amen? And we're not wandering off onto some other path that God doesn't, doesn't intend for us. And this is kind of the meaning of the, the word sin here. It's about wandering off the path of uprightness that God has for us or, or missing the mark or, or, or making mistakes. So God does not want, want us wandering off. God does not want us getting tripped up by sin or, or led down, or led down um, a wrong path. Amen? He wants us to stay on that, on that path and that, that he has set out for us. Amen? Praise God. So how do we avoid getting tripped up, entangled by sin that, that so easily and, and cleverly will try and trip us, trip us up? So it's kind of, I just want to lay some foundations um, for it first. So the good news is that sin, if you're a believer this morning, sin has no authority or control over you. Amen? And you have to, I think you have to start with this point. You have to start at this place because otherwise it can be like, well, I just need to try a bit harder. No, no. <laughs> Again, that's missing the point. This isn't about, being, this isn't about trying harder. Okay? It's about living, living subject to the, you know, to the Holy Spirit in our lives, just, just in the way that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus did. He didn't, Jesus didn't live a perfect life because he just tried hard. And there's much more going on there than that. Everyone agree, right? But so often as Christians, we think, well, I'll just try a bit harder. Or try and do it through self-effort. If you're going to do it through self-effort, inevitably, we're going to fall flat on our faces. Amen? Or try and earn some kind of righteousness. No, all our righteousness and the holiness that we have all comes through the cross, right? Everyone agree? Amen? You know, we, we, are, we are holy vessels. By, def, by def, definition, the Holy Spirit couldn't live inside a vessel that's not, that's not holy. Amen? So... You know, I, of course I believe in holy, what's often described as holy living, as in like living right for God. But, but at the same time, I think that sometimes it has to be clarified. So it doesn't mean to say we're making ourselves more holy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or making ourselves more righteous. So I believe in holy and righteous living, but it's not in that. We're not making ourselves more holy or righteous. Does that make sense? Because all our holiness and righteousness all comes because of the cross. Amen. It's, it's a free gift. Amen. So... So point number one, so sin has no, if you're a believer this morning, sin has no authority, has no right to have any authority or control over you. Now, it can have authority in your life if you give it authority, but as a principle, sin has no right to have any authority or control over your life. You know, our sinful nature, the Bible makes this clear, our sinful nature, our nature to sin is what we're all born with and we inherited it from Adam and Eve, and I'm sure we all know the story. We inherited it from Adam and Eve, and it's, it's passed down, it's what we're born with as babies, uh, nature, uh, nature to, do, to do wrong. But our sinful nature was dealt with when we accepted Jesus. Amen? Our sinful nature was dealt with once for all. Our sinful nature was, was nailed to the cross. So we are now free from the power of sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and we talk about this loads as a church. But therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. This is what Paul was making very clear here. We're not the person that we used to be. The old person that we were, it was, it was nailed to the cross. It's gone, it's, it's, it's dead and, and buried. 
That's why we have why, why baptism, and baptism is important. It, it symbolizes that, doesn't it? Our identification with Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. The old person who we are has gone, and we're now a brand new creation in Christ. And spiritually, we're brand new. Amen? Physically, we're still the same person, yes. And our mind, our will, and emotions, we're still the same. We haven't like, had a personality <laughs> transplant. But spiritually, we're completely transformed. Once we were dead in our sins, and now we're alive, alive to Christ. Amen? Ephesians 4, Paul writes this as well, Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul is talking about this more here, about this new, this new self. We're not the old person that we used to be. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. I don't know what your past was, was like, and I'm not asking you to think about it and rake, rake, up, rake it all up in your mind, okay? But, but you're not that person that you used to be, amen? You're a brand new creation in Christ. doesn't matter what, you, what, what you've done, what your, what your past was like, you're a new creation in Christ. I'm only glad about that. God doesn't do, it doesn't do half measures. You know, sometimes the analogy I kind of have in my mind is like, um, myself and Wendy, we've, we've bought a couple of houses. I don't mean we own two houses now. I mean, over the time, we bought two houses, and they, and they needed, both houses needed a lot, of, uh, a lot of work. You kind of have to, to be able to afford houses these days, don't you? <laughs> to buy houses that need quite a little bit of work. Anyway, both houses need a bit of work, and a lot of work, actually, um, in both contexts. And we spent you know, a lot of time and, I suppose, money, I guess, investing um, into them over, over time to make them much, much nicer, much, much nicer than they were. So... They now look very different to the house, the house that we're in. We've been in since 2008, um, 14 and a half years now. That's gone quick. Anyway, 14 and a half years. And, and it looks very, very different to the house that, that it was. It's, you know, it, looks radically, it looks radically different. But sometimes we can think that's what kind of God does with us. And what I want to say to you this morning is that isn't even what God does. What God does, he's completely replaced that house. You know, there's parts, parts of Britain, and just to keep this analogy going, there's, part, there's parts of Britain, I think Liverpool, Swansea, and other places where they've done it, where there's kind of a lot of old kind of terrace housing. It's in a right old state. Um, it's kind of like you know, 100, 200 years old. And basically, instead of renovating, it's, so, it's such a bad state, the easiest thing to do is just to flatten the streets. And, they, and you know, uh, um, some of you know, me and Wendy used to live in Swansea, and it, it was happening everywhere. Where they just flattened the entire street, just, just built new estates. Because it's just too expensive and just not worth renovating. You know, and that is what God's done for us. He hasn't even renovated our life. The old person of who you are has not been renovated. It is, it's gone. Does that make sense? You get that analogy this morning. Okay, God hasn't done some sort of patch-up job just to make us all papered over the cracks, just to, just to make us look better on the outside. The old person of who we are is, gone, is completely gone. It's dead and buried. Brand new house. To keep that analogy, the house of our life is, is brand new and looks, it looks great. And praise, praise God for that. So Paul talks about the new self and our rights put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, it's not, as I said earlier, it's not self-earned at all. It's a gift from God. I praise God for that. So that's kind of the first point, but it's a fundamental point uh, to make before we kind of talk about victory over sin, is that sin has no right to have authority or control over us. If the devil's whispering that in your ear, the devil's trying to control you, he, he is lying to you. That's got my honest kind of my kind of honest uh, kind of assessment or honest answer to you this morning. He, he's lying to you if he's telling you that. He has no right to have any authority or control over your life. You're not, you're not his. You've been bought. If you're a believer this morning, you were bought at a price, a monumental price. Jesus paid the price so you could be redeemed. Did Adam and Eve give authority to Satan originally? Yes, that, yeah, that's true. And of course, that went through the generations. But 
Yes, the devil and sin has no authority or control over us. Amen. You got about that this morning. Praise God. So that, that's a fundamental first point. Number one, this is another fundamental point. Again, is that all, there is always redemption for sin. Amen. There's always redemption of sin. So, firstly, sin has no right to have any authority or control over us. And secondly, there's always redemption for sin. So, Hebrews 12, we've been reading, it talks about we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So, and that's talking about Hebrews 11. Of course, the Bible wasn't originally divided into chapters. It's just for us to make sense of it all and be able to find verses. Okay. So, you have to remember that it's just like one long, these, these are just long letters. Okay. Like the whole of Hebrews or Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, whatever it is. It was just long letters. And we've just divvied it up so we can you know, find stuff easily, okay? So it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So that's talking about the previous chapter, Hebrews 11, where it talks about the great people of faith and how, how, God, how God used them. And they are the great cloud of witnesses kind of cheering, cheering us on and, pray, and praise God for that. But you know, what I mean? you, you know what? Some of those people, they messed up big time. Some of those people who recorded it in Hebrews 11, they had some crazy situations of, of their own doing. Not difficult circumstances, they just did... If I can be blunt, some bad choices or even stupid choices, if you want to call it that. You know, there's, there's things like Noah's mentioned, and, and Noah obviously, um, you know, did some. Uh, it shouldn't be Noah. Um, one of them finds their dad is Abraham. They find him in a drunken stupor. Um, is it Jacob? I can't remember who it is. It's Noah, isn't it? It's Noah. Yes, I did get that right. I wrote down Noah and I thought, is it Noah? It definitely is Noah. Noah, is a, Noah does obviously great stuff in it, with the ark and everything else, but there's one time his sons are finding him and he gets drunk and does all kind of crazy things. It, it talks about King David and how, again, he's, he's in this great cloud of witnesses and we know what King David did. You know, and, and, and obviously committed, committed adultery and then, then got here, the, the woman's husband murdered to try and cover up, cover up the whole thing. And, uh, and Moses himself, he, he did some crazy stuff and acted in anger and he struck a rock in anger and got angry with the people a whole number, whole number of times and didn't always, didn't always lead them correctly. So this, that's just kind of that's three different examples. And these are in the great cloud of witnesses. These are recorded in Hebrews 11 saying these are the great cloud of witnesses of people that have gone before us who are cheering, cheering us on. So the reason for kind of bringing that up is to say about the power of redemption. There is always redemption for sin. There is nothing you possibly have done or, or could even do in the future that can stop Jesus' redemptive power. I'm only glad about that. And even after all that David did, and we can look at that and think, well, that's just terrible what he did. You know, and it was, wasn't great. But God called him a man after his own heart. And of course, he was very repentant. Um, and there were some consequences to it. It's where his son, um, and all sorts of consequences with the kids and, and his family, which was a result of that sin. So I'm not saying there were no consequences, but God called him a man after his own heart. Amen? So the redemption is incredibly powerful. There's always redemption for sin. Ephesians 1, verse 7 to 8, Paul says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Amen? So because of, because of his blood, because of the cross, we have redemption from sin. Jesus was that once and for all sacrifice and paid the price. We've been bought, we've been bought at a price. Amen. Honey, glad about that. There's always redemption for sin. 1 John 1, verse 8 to 10. Some of my favorite verses. And I've got lots of favorite verses. Those are all favorites. <laughs> 1 John 1, 8 to 10. It says, it says this. John writes this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that important we understand that but verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if we claim we have not sinned we make him to my god we make god out to be a liar and his word is not in us so we accept the reality that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god that's another scripture that paul writes 
well, it's John writing here, but it's the scripture that Paul writes, but we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, but John makes it clear here, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. I'm glad about, he's glad about that this morning. I'm so glad about that. Again, there is always redemption for sin. Now, I don't believe this is a license just to do whatever we want. And Paul, and you know, we'd have to spend several weeks into this to kind of really dig deep into it. But Paul talks about that. Is it, is it, is it a license just to, well, I can do whatever I want because God will just forgive it. Well, God will forgive it, but is that a great way of living? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, and there will be yeah, inevitably consequences in lots of different ways. Okay, but there is always redemption for sin if we if we confess. Um, Pastor Colin Urquhart, who of course had a great connection with the church and passed away not that long ago, um, had a great connection with the church. And and he, our last Empower conference it was just before COVID, <laughs> literally, literally the week before COVID and everything kind of kicked off all around the world, and, um, especially in Britain. Anyway. And, it, and he spoke there, and what he talked about, it really, really spoke to me personally, what he talked about was a thing called the first minute. And what he talked about is when we pray, when, when we come to God in prayer, and maybe we've, maybe we've messed up, where we've done something silly, we've let God down, we've done something we shouldn't have done. And, and what, what Colin Urquhart was talking about is how we, so often we'll then spend ages and ages and ages and ages, hours and hours and hours, trying to put things right with God to make ourselves feel better. And what, what, what Colin Urquhart was talking about, he said, he said it literally takes a minute. He said, you're wasting your time. You've just spent like hours like begging God to forgive you. It goes back to fundamentals of this. If we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and pray for us from all unrighteous. Spend a minute, put it right with God, accept God's redemption and obviously mean it. We confess it and put it right with God and, then, and let's move on. Yeah. Amen. And that's what Colin was, was talking about. And it really, really encouraged, encouraged me. It's not, it's not waste, waste. I don't mean it's in a blase way, but let's not waste our time going over and over and over again, almost like beating ourselves, almost like they did in the Old Testament, you know, they put on sackcloth and ashes because they, because they messed up. That's the whole purpose of the cross is to, to deal with all that stuff, amen? So we just have to confess he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It just takes a minute or even less than a minute, but that's what Pastor Colin called it the first minute. Let's put things right with God and then let's, 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 let's move on and continue in our, in our prayer life, amen? But he is so faithful and just to forgive us. So these are real kind of, uh, fundamentals to my third point is that sin has, so sin has no authority or control over us. There's no right to have any control or authority over us. And thirdly, sorry, and secondly, there's always redemption for sin. Amen. That's kind of laying the platform uh, for how, how we're victorious. He's faithful and just to forgive us and we see that through these examples of what people did in the Bible and God still used them mightily. Amen. They confessed and sorted it out with God but God used them amazingly. So, number th- so point number three is we can, the good news is, we can live victoriously over sin. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. I just want to read from uh, Genesis 4, and this is the, the well-known story, the well-known account of, of, Cain, of Cain and Abel, um, the kids of um, Adam and Eve. And it says this, Genesis 4, verse 4 to 7, And Abel, Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And if you read further on the story, you know that Cain ends up killing Abel because of his, his sheer anger. He thought it was like jealous, but Cain's able. He didn't, Cain didn't bring the right offering. So verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? This is what I particularly want to focus on. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule 
over it. And of course, he does give in to the sin and ends up killing, killing his brother. You can read all that in Genesis 4. So we just need to wise up to this stuff. That's kind of my starting point on this, on, on, on we can live victoriously over sin, is just to be aware, not feel condemned, not worry about it, not be scared of it, not you know, to fear anything, but just be aware of what, what the devil does. That sin will always be crouching at our door. That is just a reality. And, and too many Christians, I'm not judging it anyway, uh, too many Christians just aren't aware of this reality or maybe even a bit naive to it about what, what, what the devil will try and do and to lay traps for us. So sin is crouching at our door. It desires to, as God says there, was, was saying that it desires to have us, but we must rule over it. And we can do that through the strength that God gives us. Amen? So we just need to be aware, aware of that. Just have our eyes, eyes open about this stuff. And what I want you to do is just to, now, you don't need to say anything. I'm not going to ask anyone what you're thinking, okay? So don't worry about that. Okay, but what I want you just to think about is just think about one, there may be one sin or one temptation, one sin that you particularly struggle with. I expect there is. I'm not speaking this over anybody, but I'm just, I expect there is. I can think of something in my own head. Think about one thing in particular that you struggle with. All the things that you could potentially do as a Christian and not do right. What's the one thing you particularly struggle with? Like I said, I'm not going to ask anyone. You don't have to put your hands up. <laughs> Go down the front right. Josh, you're next. <laughs> God didn't put your, your name into my head. Just, just in case you're wondering. Okay. I was just looking at you as I, at the time. Okay. Anyway, but, it, but, the reality, but this is a reality, right? Let's be real about this stuff and let's take it, let's take it seriously. Remember, don't condemn ourselves, but take, but take it seriously. So that, what, the reason I've got you to think about that one thing is because that's where the devil will bombard you and bombard you and bombard you and bombard you. So is, this, is this true or not? Right? This is where the devil will bombard you. So we just have to wise up to this stuff. Because remember, what, what the devil is trying to do, he, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, is what Jesus said. He's trying to he's destroy your relationship with God. I don't, I don't mean he can take away your salvation, but you don't know, he'll damage your relationship with God, you know, trip you up, get you to wander off course. And this is what we're talking about, overcoming sin, that sin that tries to entangle us up. 2 Corinthians 10, verse, verse 4 to 5. And, and, and sorry, we'll come to that in a second. But what, what, what Paul talks about is the way to, to deal with stuff is to deal with temptation, deal with it at the root. Remember, we said earlier that Jesus was tempted in every single way, but was always victorious. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5 says this, The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this, this, is, the key, this is the key in it all about how we... There's, things that the devil's going to, there's one thing you've been thinking about. This is the thing the devil's going to bombard you. He's going to tempt you and tempt you and tempt you and tempt you and tempt you. Yeah, he will try and wind, wind you down. Yeah, absolutely. So one, we need to wise up to that. And then we need to deal with it at the temptation level. You know, because so often once, once, you've got, once you start thinking about the temptation or, or so easy to let it take root and then once it's taken root, then it's, it, it's too late. I've talked to people, if I can just be open about this stuff, I've, I've talked to blokes in particular, but I'm not saying only vex blokes, about, about sexual sin. I've talked about this and pornography and all that, all that kind of stuff. A humongous issue in our world. Massive problem. is a, is a huge problem as, as churches. We shouldn't be naive about this stuff or think, oh, we can't talk about that. That's like a bit, you know, that's a bit you know, over the line about stuff. It is a monumental problem, absolutely huge problem. It's always been a huge problem, but obviously the internet has exacerbated the problem massively. And because it's obviously 
people can now cover up what they do. People, people don't know. Um, you know. Wives don't know. Husbands don't know, etc., etc. Just wanted to read some um, read some stats. I don't want to particularly talk about pornography. Okay, it's not what the whole message is about, but it's just it's just an example. Okay. Josh McDowell, who's some of you may have heard of, he's, he's a really well-known American uh, theologian and a kind of apologist, really good guy. But he, this is one of the things he's kind of really hot on about talking men, talking to men in particular, but not just men, but men in particular about this stuff. This is, this is stats from America. It says that three out of five divorces are now directly related to pornography in America. That two out of five church-going men watch porn several times a week. About 80% of 15 to 17-year-olds have been exposed to hardcore porn. The adult pornography industry reports that 20 to 30% of all their traffic comes from children. Half of all Christian families report that pornography is a problem. And over 40% of women and 60% of men are dealing with sexual addictions. And these numbers are monumental. And we can either be naive about this stuff or just think, well, this is horrible, we don't want to talk about that stuff. Or we can just be real, amen, about this stuff. So the key to being victorious in this stuff is about dealing with it at the thought level and the temptation level. Amen? And we can take thoughts captive. This is what Paul was talking about here. It's when, when temptation comes, temptation is to look at things, to, to do things. And this isn't just talk in terms of pornography. It's in any context of any sin, all those things that you've got you to think about, what is the one thing that you get bombarded with? It's to take those thoughts captive at that point. It's too late, and, and this is what, this is what I've, 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 as I said, I've talked to men about. If you haven't made a good decision within about 10 seconds, you've, you've had it. I don't mean you've had it as a Christian, but you know I mean? you've had it in, t- in terms of being victorious in that situation, you've had it. If you've, you've probably got 10 seconds max, I'd say, because, in, and, you know, men are wired a certain way to look at certain, just, you know, just in the way that they're, they're wired, but it doesn't only affect men. As I said, it's up to 40% of women, is what American stats say. Anyway. We have to deal with that thought level. So whatever the temptation, and it may not be this particular thing I've just mentioned, but whatever it is, we have to take those thoughts captive. Amen? Amen? Yeah. This is what Paul says, what you can do. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And this is what Jesus did over and over and over again. As he was tempted in every way, he was submitted to his Father. He took those thoughts captive. There's so many things he must have been tempted to do, and the Word tells us he was tempted to do. He must, must be so tempted to react in anger. And it, tempted by affection of all the women that used to follow him, and must have been tempted, tempted by power. And the devil tried to attempt it by power, didn't he? When, it was, when it was, Jesus went out into the wilderness, and, uh, and also he was tempted not to go to the cross. You know, that's, that's clear at Gethsemane in the battle that was going on in Jesus' mind. He was tempted to go to the cross. He's like, God, Father, if you can take this away from me, then, then take it away from me. But Jesus dealt with every everything at a thought level, because every every sin or everything that ends up as sin starts with a thought. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's take those thoughts captive. So be aware of what the devil does. Be aware of what sin does. When, when, when those thoughts come, whatever the context of it may be, set those thoughts captive. Say, God, you're going to have to help me here. And let's be real about this stuff. This is what you're going to have to pray. God, you're going to have to help me here. This, the thought there, it's not good. It's, it's bad if I don't, don't make a decision quick, then I'm going to make a bad decision. And, and ask God to help you. Bring it, make it captive to Christ. Amen. Get, get your Bible out, place of worship, whatever you, need, whatever you need to do, but get your focus on Christ. Amen. And you might need to be doing this over and over and over again throughout the day. And let's be real, you may. But that bit is the key to being victorious in Christ. And living subject to the Spirit. And I've talked about this before, but it's, it's really important in this context about who is the boss in your life. Is, is the Holy Spirit the boss in our life, or is kind of our own soul 
the boss in our life. You know, us, remember what I talked earlier about we're a brand new creation, but physically we're not, our body isn't a brand new creation. That would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> but it, it will be in heaven one day. Okay? But our body's not a brand new creation. Okay? And our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, that's an ongoing process of them being sanctified. They're, they're not brand new. Like I said, you haven't had a personality transplant. Okay? But, but spiritually, we're, we're brand new. So our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, we have to continually make them subject to the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to live victoriously. You know, our, our soul is a poor master. It is. And our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions cannot be relied upon to make good choices. I'm serious. Now, here's, here's a great example, real practical, real practical example. I'm not saying this because there's a few people away today. Okay, I'm just using this as an example. Okay, it's an example I was going to use anyway. Okay, but example of that would be you wake up on a Sunday morning, you've got a decision, do I go to church today, do I stay in bed? I go have a nice lion. Do I go to, or, it's, or the sun's out like it is out today. I go down the beach. I go down, go down to leap or cow shot and do something else instead. Now you're all thinking that in your head. Oh, <laughs> that sounds nice. <laughs> Get an ice cream. That sounds nice. Anyway. But, yeah, to ask judge. Exactly. But generally, you have a choice to make, don't you? And your soul will not want to get out of bed. It won't. Your soul will be like, I really could do a nap. I'm so, uh, or, or lying. I'm so tired. I've been working all week. I, I deserve it. These are all things your soul's going to tell you, right? I, I deserve it. It's not going to matter whether I'm at church or not. There'll be loads of people there anyway. It'll be fine. No one even notice. And then you can, and you can start, other things will come into your head. Well, it doesn't matter. No one talks to me anyway. Why does it even matter if I'm there? Sometimes negative thoughts can come into your head. So your soul is a terrible master. Your soul cannot be relied upon to make good choices. When those temptations come, if we're soulish people, or carnal people, as the Bible would call it, if we're carnal or soulish people, and I don't mean not saved, you know, but carnal in the way we make decisions, or soulish, you're going to make terrible decisions. And I'm not, I'm just being real about this stuff. You're not going to make good decisions. Because our soul is a terrible, is a terrible master. If someone, someone, let's be real about this stuff, if someone cuts you up when you're, when you're, when you're driving, your soul is going to want to react one way, isn't it? Let's be real. Maybe, and maybe, what, maybe they almost deserve it. You could kind of, in, on your head, you know, maybe they might have nearly caught an accident. But your soul will want to react a certain way. They'll want to swear, they'll want to be angry, they'll want to, I don't know, make gestures, do, do, follow them, annoy them, uh, flash your lights at them. That's what your soul's going to want to do, right? So this is real or not. This is what your soul is going to want to do. So this is where your soul is a terrible master. But, the, but, but when we live subject to the spirit, then we can have self-control. Of course, that's part of the fruit of the spirit, isn't it? Self-control. Uh, and we can, react, we can react differently. So this is, the, this is the key to it all. is one, taking thoughts captive. When temptation comes, taking them captive. Being aware, of, aware that it is temptation. Because sometimes we just can be a bit naive about it. It's aware that there's temptation there. There's thoughts there. Dealing with them at that level. Making them obedient, obedient to Christ. And also about who is the boss in your life. Is it our soul or is it the Holy Spirit? Amen. And in that, we can live victoriously. Now, this doesn't mean to say we're never going to mess up or we're going to live perfect lives. Not Jesus. Right? I'm not saying we're going to live perfect lives the rest of our lives. There may be, there's still going to be times probably when we, when we mess up. But we can live victoriously over sin. And remember, sin has no authority or power over you. Amen. And we can live victoriously over sin. You know, the, world, the world is just doing what it does. Right? You know, we, we sometimes as, as Christians we look, we look at the world and you kind of think you know it's getting darker and darker everything just seems so uh, seems so lost and, and, and it is so lost yeah, but we don't need to get dragged into that amen you know the Bible says that we're we're in the world but we're not we're not of the world amen and we we can live differently and we 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 can live like Paul talk, talks about us shining like stars in the darkness and you know sometimes we can we can 
I think sometimes as Christians we can fucking say this, I think we can focus too much on the darkness. Because what the way it kind of I, I look at it as a pastor is this is more and more of an opportunity for us to shine brighter for Jesus. It's even more of an opportunity for us to show that there is a different way to live. Yeah. In this world which is so messed up, so confused, don't understand identity, don't understand about, even about who they, young people are just confused about who they even are these days. Understanding what, what gender, understanding their purpose or purpose for, purpose for their life and all those kind of stuff. And not, not just young people, but particularly young people. People are just so confused, aren't they, these days? But what a great opportunity for us as Christians to say that actually there is another way. In this world, we're just so, we're just so, addicted, to, so addicted to stuff like pornography and drugs and alcohol and smoking and kind of all those, kind of those other things that aren't good. Or addicted to entertainment or addicted to, to, to money and all that kind of stuff. We live in a world where you know, half of marriages end in divorce and that's just a reality. I think only 40%. Um, I think 40% of marriages end within 10 years. I mean, if you've got more, if you've got, done, if you've got more than 10 years, <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief. Well done. You're in the 60%. Well done. Well done. Obviously, that's among non-Christian, among the society. Obviously, um, not amongst Christian Christian marriages. But let's let's show a different way to live. You know, I've, I've noticed this in society. I'm not saying this to be arrogant anyway, but just just uh, this just shows the reality. When, I, when I've said to people who weren't Christians, uh, myself, when to be married for 24 years. They kind of look at you like, like they're like, what? 24 years? They're like, you don't look old enough. That's, that's always nice, obviously. No, but, but, Jen, but I was married at 22, which again is very young. You know, we were dating at 20, married at 22. Very, in this, in this world, they were like, what in the world are you doing? You're 22. What, what do you get married that young for? How do you even know what you want in life? You know what I mean? So we've got this great opportunity to live different. I even correct people sometimes when, when people out in society, they've said, they, ask, they call Wendy my partner. I said, no, I said, hang on, she's not my partner, she's my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not in business with my wife. <laughs> but I want a business, some kind of weird business partnership. They say, is this your partner? I said, well, if you mean is she my wife, then yes. Now, I've genuinely corrected them on that because I want them to understand that we live, we, we're different. We, we, we live differently. We're living to a different standard. It's not to judge the world, but it's just to show the world there is a different way. Remember, we're not judging anyone in this. Jesus made it clear, John 3, 17, which often gets forgotten in the whole, whole John 3, 16 thing. It's for God to... For, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We shouldn't be condemned. We're not shouldn't be condemning the world. We'd all be doing this. We'd all be doing the same thing if we if we were in that position, right? Let's be real. We would. Amen. So, we we can live victoriously over over sin. We we can live a different a different way. Amen. And praise God for that. There's always redemption for sin. Sin has no authority. Has no right to have any authority or control over us. Remember what I said right at the beginning. I don't want anyone this morning to go away condemned. You've totally missed the essence of this message if you're going away condemned. Remember, there's always redemption for sin, but you can be victorious. Maybe there's some stuff you've struggled with for years and years and years and years. What the good news is for you this morning, you, uh, uh, a category mean is you can be set free. Amen. You know, Jesus said that, that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. If, if Satan's telling you, if he's whispering lies into your head that you're going to you're gonna struggle with this forever, it's a lie from the pit of hell. He's got no, no, he has no right to have any control or authority over you. Amen. Amen. You can be victorious in that, and I will pray for us all in a second. Amen. So let's be aware of what the devil does. Let's run our race well. Amen. As we talk about over the last, our last three, three or four months, let's run our have our best lap yet for God, and and, and continue that into twenty twenty three, which I'm sure will soon come round. Amen. Let's continue to run our best lap, but let's let's throw off all those things that hinder and the sin that so easily can entangle us. Let's not get tangled up in in stuff. Amen. Now also just to, just to say on that point, 
and the time is, I'm looking at, I did that last week, didn't I? Look, it's just a clock, they, they've used a clock for exams, I keep looking there and there's no clock there. That's why I have to look at my, if I'm looking at my phone, I'm not just like looking at emails. <laughs> look, at, look at the time. Okay. Anyway. But just the last thing to say, last thing to say on that is about our, our, our last thing to say about living victorious is to talk about our, um, you know, our responsibilities, our responsibilities in God. And, and how, if we, as we grow in our responsibilities in God, then our choices become even more and more narrow. So I just want just, just, just to talk about that stuff. I think it needs to be, it needs to be talked about. And, you know, I'm sure we're all in, or hopefully we're all in a position where we want our responsibilities to increase in God. We want, we want to grow in God. But what I say to you is, as you grow in God, then you'll get even more hammered. I don't mean drunk. Because <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Okay. What you will get is you'll get even more hammered and bombarded by, by stuff. And your, 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 and your choices about living right, they become even more and more limited um, in a good way. Okay. About, about, about living right. Now, here, here would be an example of this, and this is not a pleasant example, but I think it's an example that, that makes it clear. For example, like myself and Wendy, myself and Wendy as pastors, you know, if, if something happened in our, in, in our marriage, well, let's say there's a couple of people in the church, and I don't think of anyone in particular, I don't think about yourself. Okay. There's a couple of people in the church, and their marriage breaks down. Very sad. Let's say it can't be rectified. It's, it's, just incre- it's just an incredibly sad situation, you know, and we've tried to help you as pastors, but it, but it doesn't... You know, that's going to affect you. It may affect kids, and you know, and that, that's a reality. But it's just just a sad ending. Okay, so to use that as an example. Now, let's say myself and Wendy, and our responsibility as pastors. Let's say there's problems in, in in our marriage, and our marriage breaks down. The consequences of that are going to be massive, aren't they? Let's be real about this stuff. It could cause a church split. Half a church could leave. It could cause all sorts of issues. Like our great friends, like Ian and Annie, down to Asia, with our great friends. <laughs> Okay, it's going to cause it's going to cause a whole load of issues. They'll be like, "What in the world are you doing?" That's crazy. Um, it would it would cause a whole load of issues, wouldn't it? Does that make sense? So your higher responsibility goes in God. Now, if you take senior our senior pastors Andy and Gina, if something went wrong in their marriage, I mean the the the, the consequences that would be astronomical, be huge. It could be the end of family church as we know it, couldn't it? I'm serious. So what all my point is is just to get you to see that point is the more responsibility you take on in God. If you're in the congregation, there's going to be consequences for you and maybe for your kids. If, you, if you're pastors or if you're, you're senior pastors, the, the consequences are going to be huge. And, and sadly, you know, we see this, we're not judging anyone, but you see this around the world, don't you, where, where senior pastors do mess up. And the consequences for their churches are, are massive in, in loads of different ways. Because as you take on more responsibility in God, your choices become more and more limited. This it, it becomes more and more important, is basically what I'm saying. It's important for all Christians. But the more responsibility you have in God, the more the devil will bombard you with stuff, and the more important it is you make great choices. Not soulish or carnal choices, but spiritual, spiritual choices. That makes sense. I just thought it's just important to talk about that and to say that stuff. Okay, so let's bring this to an end. So God doesn't want us to be entangled by sin. God wants us to live our race well, not to, not to be tripped up. So sin has no a right to have authority or control over your life. Amen. Jesus paid a huge price so that wouldn't happen. There's always redemption for sin. We just have to confess it. Like the pastor Colin Oak, I talked in the first minute, let's get it right. Let's get it done and dusted. Let's get, let's get it right. Let's get it sorted with God. And obviously, if you need to sort things out with other people, obviously, do that as well. That's, that's, a, that's a kind of another message in itself. But obviously, do that as well. If you need to ask other people for forgiveness, do that. And, but the great news is, because of those, because of those two things, amen, that we can live victoriously over sin. Let's take thoughts captive. Let's, let's be aware. Let's not be, let's be not be naive. Let's be aware of what the devil does. And there's, there's issues that, that bombard us. Let's deal with temptation at its root level. Let's not make it, let it become a seed in our life. Let's make good choices. And, 
and make good choices because our lives are subject to the Spirit. Let's not make soulish or carnal choices. And, and, I th- and, I, and I would say this over and over again, but I believe this is the difference between successful Christians and Christians who, who struggle with a whole load of stuff in life. I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's about whether you're a spiritual Christian or whether you're a carnal Christian, whether you're a soulish Christian or whether you're a spiritual Christian. It's about so much. And I know some people just have circumstances that are totally not their fault and all that kind of stuff and sickness and other things. I, I get that, of course. But, ulti- but ultimately, I would say this is the biggest difference. Okay, not I'm trying to put people in boxes this morning, but this is the biggest difference between those who are successful in Christ and have a successful Christian life is because they make great choices, great Christian spiritual choices. I don't care what the world does, I don't care what the other person next to me is doing, this is what I'm going to do. It's like Joshua says, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Everyone else can do whatever they want to do. Okay? That's, that's, up, that's up to them. But as for me and my house, this is, this is what we're doing. As for me and my life, this is what I'm doing. These are the choices I make. I'm living subject to the Spirit. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. I want to underline what Paul has been saying about the dangers we men face in particular. And this has been brought home to me since I lost my wife, my partner, for many years. And then temptations come, thoughts. And uh, so no one of us not one of us is, is exempt. No matter how mature a Christian we might be, no matter what our situations, what Paul has been saying, we need to take warning. Thank you, Graham. We appreciate your openness and honesty about that. Amen. So it's not, it's not about age, is it? And I talked about young people and, and their confusion and stuff, and that, that, that's true. But, but this, this stuff isn't about age, right? It isn't about even how long you've been a Christian. Amen? It's about our entire lives living subject to, subject to the Spirit. Amen? And not living subject to, to our souls. Praise God. What a great God we have. Let's pray. But thank you for sharing that, Graham. Thank you, God. Lord, you're so good. You're so, so good. Lord, we thank you for the cross. Lord, it all comes back to the cross and what you did at the cross. And we've been focusing, Lord, this whole morning on, your, on the victory that you bring and singing about that. Lord, and declaring that, the victory we have in Jesus. Lord, that we're going to see a victory, Lord God. And everything goes back to the cross. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the victory of the cross. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that's where sin, Lord, was dealt with once and for all. Lord, that sin that had plagued the human race. Lord, and animals had to be sacrificed and that whole kind of, uh, the mosaic law and Lord, it was all pointing to the need for a saviour. Lord, are you, I thank you, you fulfilled that once and for all. You became that perfect Passover lamb, the lamb that takes, as John the Baptist said, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Thank you, Lord, for that. You dealt with, we dealt with sin, Lord, at, at its root level. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, because of that sin no longer has any authority or control over us. It has no right to control us, has no, has no right to enslave us in any way. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of that. Thank you, Lord, there is always redemption for sin. Lord, we always can find forgiveness in you. Thank you, Lord God, for that reality. Lord, I thank you that because of those two things, we can live totally victoriously over sin. Lord, we can live right. Lord, we can live righteously, and we know our righteousness comes from you anyway, but Lord, we can live righteous and holy, holy lives, Lord God. We can take those things captive and deal with them, Lord God.
Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for anyone this morning that's struggling with anything in particular. As I ask people, Lord, to, to think about things that they're bombarded with. Lord, and you know what they are. Lord, it's between you and them. It's not about anybody else. Lord, it's between you and them. You know what those, those things are. Lord, it might be things, Lord, they've been struggling with for, for, for months, years, even decades. Lord, but I thank you, Lord, that he the sun sets free is free indeed. Lord, we just speak freedom, Lord, over their lives right now in Jesus' name. Lord, freedom from any, any addictions in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that you would set them completely free, Lord God. Lord, if there's any kind of like uh, just strongholds they've allowed into their lives, we just, we just command those strongholds to be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. We speak freedom, we speak wholeness over them in Jesus' name. Lord, and I pray, Lord, you will strengthen everybody here, Lord God, that we will take those thoughts captive. Lord, that we will wise up to the devil's schemes, Lord God. Lord, we will be aware, Lord, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's his, that's his goal for our, for our lives. Lord, but I thank you that you came to, came to give us life and life to the full. Lord, I pray we just be aware of Satan's schemes. Lord, that we're aware the, we haven't had time to talk about it this morning, but to, to wear the armor of God. Lord, to take up the shield of faith, Lord, that stops all the, all the fiery darts of the evil one. Lord, to take those thoughts captive, Lord God, at a, at a thought level, Lord God. Lord, and to live subject to you. Thank you, Jesus. You are the perfect example of how to live right and to live a life, Lord, submitted to the Spirit. Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to make bad decisions. We don't want to make soulish decisions, Lord God. Thank you, God. Lord, help us make spiritual decisions. Lord, we want to live differently, Lord God. May we not be influenced by the world, be in the world, but not of the world. Whatever the world does, does what it does, Lord God, but we want to live, live the way you want us to live and to run that lap well, to run our race well, not to be tripped up, entangled, hindered in, in any way, and to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and our perfect of our faith. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.